Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Dear Precious Father, how we thank you for your word today. How we appreciate the revelation that you've given us of your eternal plan for man through this holy writ. And it's with great reverence and humility we approach thy word, thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. I thank thee now for thy spirit that will unveil and unfold and reveal unto our spirits the living word of truth. I thank you for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds that we may be led and guided into all the truth. To be doers of this word and not hearers only, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Our subject is prayer. We've been talking about prayer. And if you will remember or recall, you can write these scriptures down. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray and faint not. Men ought always to pray. Always. Men ought always to pray and faint not. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, you will recall that the beloved Apostle Paul wrote under the unction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray, said Jesus, the Apostle Paul said by the Holy Ghost, men ought, uh, I'm sorry, pray without ceasing. Then again here in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 18, the first two words we could have a camp meeting on, praying always. Praying always. Always praying. Always praying. If someone says, I don't know about that brother so-and-so, he's always praying in other tongues. He must be a fanatic, or there must be something wrong. He's always praying. I just don't understand it. He's always praying. No, there's nothing wrong. He's just obeying the Word of God. He's just a doer of the Word of God, not a hearer only. Amen? Amen? Now, notice these three scriptures alone emphasize the importance of an active prayer life. Just these three scriptures that I quoted to you, and you know, that's all I need, because the Bible says, out of the mouth or two, of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, Brother John Wesley made a statement years ago. And he said that it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. And it seems as though he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody... Somebody would pray. And as one would endeavor to study such a statement, to see how authentic it really is, 
You wouldn't need but these three scriptures right here. Why did Jesus say pray always? Why did Paul by the Spirit say pray without ceasing and praying always with all prayer if it was not important? Actually, the best way we could put it is like this. God is limited by your prayer life. God can do nothing beyond your prayer life. He can do nothing for you beyond your prayer life. Because in your prayer life, you have communion with Him. And you're not going to get anything apart from Him. So if we want to be successful in our walk in the earth, it's important that we understand the different types of prayer. We've got to know how to use the proper prayers in our lives if we're going to be successful since prayer is the foundation of every Christian endeavor. It's the backbone. Prayer is the foundation. Now, here we see that there are different kinds of prayer which we've stated previously. Praying always with all prayer. Different kinds of prayer. The Amplified Version says all kinds of prayer. And Good Speech Translation says use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity pray in the Spirit. At every opportunity, every opportunity, use every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity pray in the Spirit. Now, we talked about First of all, three different types of prayer before this. This prayer of intercession is our fourth subdivision in our first division of prayer, which is entitled Prayer That Changes Things or Circumstances or Situations in the Individual's Life and in the Lives of Others. And the prayer of intercession needs to be understood thoroughly if we are to be effective as a collective and corporate body of Christ in the earth. Intercessory prayer must be understood if we are to be effective as an individual to carry out the will and plan of God in our own individual lives and in our households. If it's not understood, we are at a great disadvantage in the face of the enemy. If it's not understood, defeat can easily come. And I'll share with you some of these things. But what I want to do is introduce to you the subject, first of all. This evening we're going to get into it. But this morning I want to introduce to you the subject of intercessory prayer. Now our first type of prayer was supplication and petition. It involves us praying for our own personal needs. In other words, I pray for my need, whatever I need. If I need healing, I know how to pray for it through the prayer of supplication and petition unto the Father. It has nothing to do with anybody else, just me, you know, and the Father. Then we said there's the prayer of binding and loosing, which we can use in our own lives and, of course, for the lives of others. But the prayer of binding and loosing is a different type of prayer. We said there is the prayer of agreement. These three types of prayer, we said, are three types of prayer that changes things or situations or circumstances in your life. 
where we get two degree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask and it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. That's what Jesus said. And of course, when we can get two people to come to this place of union in agreement, results are forthcoming. Now, these three types of prayer change things, but notice that the first one is just for you. The prayer of agreement involves you and another person. And then the prayer of binding and loosing you can use for yourself or you can use it for somebody else. But now we've got a fourth type of prayer that changes things and it's the most vital, I believe the vital, most vital prayer for us to understand how to operate. The prayer of intercession involves you praying for somebody else who is not cooperating with the will of God in his or her life to change things, circumstances, situations to bring results in their life. It's the prayer of intercession. When one takes the place of another. In Hebrews, the seventh chapter and verse 25, we have a little bit of insight as to the magnitude of this prayer and of this type of praying. You will recall that Jesus, after he came to the earth, destroyed the works of darkness, ascended into the heavens, and was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Notice verse 25. Well, let's look 24 also and 25. But this man, Jesus, because he continueth ever, he'll never die, hath an unchangeable priesthood, or a priesthood that does not pass on from one to another. In other words, he's the only high priest, friends. He's not going to die, see. So there's no need to have somebody to take his place. Now notice this. He, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is at the right hand of the majesty on high, ever living to make intercession for you and for me. This is called the present day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The present day ministry. No, he's not dropped out of the picture. No, He's not, you know, just resting and relaxing and just, you know, eating grapes and sitting back and just, you know, having people, servants, phantom, saying, well, I've done my job and my duty, now I'm just going to sit down and relax. No, he ever liveth to make intercession for you. Jesus is at the right hand of the majesty on high, ever living to make intercession for you and for me, so that you and I could come into agreement and harmony with the will of God for our lives. There's only one person that will never give up on you. Jesus. And you should never give up on anybody else that you're praying for in intercession. Because he won't. Okay. Uh, let's make a few statements I think that's very, very important for us to understand. When Jesus left this earth... It was after he reestablished the will of God in the earth for humanity. See, God had a divine plan for the human race. And that divine plan 
was disrupted when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. And from the time of that fall, God the Father was working out a plan whereby he would once again gain control into the earth through a man and reestablish his divine will and plan for man that man would again enter into his rest. Jesus came to establish that will in the earth. He did so. He accomplished it with his life on the earth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his sitting at the right hand of the Father, his entering into the Holy of Holies with his own blood, he secured for us an everlasting redemption, covenant. But since he left the earth, there were those that were not in harmony with God's plan and with God's will, mainly because they were blinded by darkness and didn't know how God wanted to save them by his grace. So Jesus, after he consummated the plan of God, was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high to begin his ministry of intercession so that those that were on the earth would be able to have their understanding enlightened so they can see clearly as to how God through Jesus Christ delivered mankind from darkness and translated them into his kingdom by his grace. And so there he is. Now, his plan includes three methods or three different ways to reveal his love and his saving power to the human race. I want you to note these three. If you don't write in your Bible, write them on a piece of paper or buy a new Bible and write in it. But write it down. Number one, the first and foremost way that God has designed to reveal his plan for man and to get the sinner saved is through the preaching of the word. Number one, it is the will of God that when the word is preached, that everyone that hears that word would be saved. And there will be a number, there will be a percentage of people that will hear the word of God and because of hearing the word of God and acting on the word of God, they will be saved. In other words, every time I come up here to preach the news, good news of the gospel, if you put a lot, you know, thousands of people out there, I mean, you know, over a period of time, you get all different kinds of people to come in and they all got together under, you know, one place and begin to hear the same message being preached there would only be a percentage of people that would be saved by the hearing of the word. Not everybody. You say, I don't understand that. Well, that's just the truth. Jesus said some fall by the wayside, didn't he? Didn't he say some fall on stony ground, didn't he? So there are other methods. Thank God for his mercy. The preaching of the word is not the only method whereby sinners will be saved. Or sick people will be healed. But it is the main way, and it is God's ultimate way. He wants you to get it that way, to accept him at his word and be saved. Number two, special manifestations. Special manifestations of the glory and power of God. Special manifestations. You will recall, Peter came and preached the gospel, 
People heard the word, but there were special manifestations that brought people to hear that word. There are individuals that can come service after service after service after service after service after service and hear the salvation message being preached. And they hear it and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it and they hear it, but they don't get saved. Then one day they came to a service and there were special manifestations of the Spirit of God taking place in their midst. And so consequently, because they saw a move of the Spirit of God, of the manifestations of God's Spirit, and it was in a way so that they could not deny that it was God and the power of God and the omnipotence of God and the grace of God and the love of God, it moved them to acting upon the word for salvation. I, I, I remember hearing a lot of times people would say, you talk about not believing in God. I'll tell you something. I didn't believe. I wasn't a believer right off the bat. He said, but I saw some things that made my hair stand up. I saw some things that made my eyes open up. I've said some things from this pulpit that if, if I had I known at the time I was doing it, you know, you, you, you would marvel at it. I marvel at it. I'll never forget how one day I was just standing here just speaking the word. And just teaching, just like I'm teaching you right now. And uh, as I was teaching the word, it seemed like just from within me a witness came under my spirit. And I just began to say, well, let's stop and deviate here just for a minute. I've got to go over here and speak these two scriptures out and say them. And so I did. Someone had walked into service, see. And I didn't know this was having a battle with God. You ever have a battle with God? Well, they was having a battle with God. Don't battle with God. You're not big enough. You're going to lose. You'll lose in the end. Right? But, because the Spirit of God led me to these certain scriptures, and this individual was just happened to be looking for those scriptures and just couldn't find them for many days. Wasn't saved. See, it's not spectacular. No cloud burst came and, and no you know, fire came out of heaven. And there was no angels appearing and dancing up here in the Spirit. But all I said was, let's turn to these two scriptures. See, by divine leading of the Spirit of God. And I mean to tell you, when we turn to those two scriptures, those were the two scriptures that person was looking for. And I mean to tell you, that special manifestation of the Spirit of God, which was not seen by the outward appearance, affected that person inside the Spirit and was really part of promoting that person's salvation. Amen. And then I, I can go on further. There's another special manifestation of the Spirit of God that happened. And that person did get saved because of that special manifestation. But after a period of a long time, was not saved after hearing the word preached. But you see, God in His mercy, God in His grace, God in His love. Oh, His mercy endureth forever. Would to God that men could know that the mercy of our God endureth forever. You could be on your deathbed. You could have cursed God all your life. But blessed be God, you could be lying there with only one breath left. If you were to open up your eyes, God would appear. Jesus would appear and say, you've got another second. Just call upon my name and he'd save you right there on that bed. He'd save you right there before your last breath gave out. 
And bless God, I told you and I shared with you last Wednesday night, and this is even before someone's, this is when someone's breath did run out. There was a certain individual that was brought to a certain state. I will reiterate it for those of you that didn't hear it. Brought to a certain state where there was no full gospel church in that state. Under a tent meeting and a young boy, just a young boy, just newly saved. When he went there, he was working around the altar, helping out the minister. And he was walking for two days under the power of God in the spirit. And he just began to speak in other tongues, talking in other tongues. People would come up to get ministered to. They'd come up and talk to him. He didn't even know they was talking to him. He just pre- speaking in other tongues, speaking in other tongues, talking in tongues, you know, praying in the spirit. And he was just in the Holy Ghost. He was in the spirit like Paul was in the spirit, like John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. And this one individual that was in the nearby city died. And in them days, they just, you know, kept the people right there in the house. They didn't have funeral homes like we do today. And so they just had him inside the house there. He lying there on the house before all the people. The mourners, they were there mourning. I mean, their loved one died, gone off, you know, to eternity. Well, this boy kept praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. Didn't know what was going on, but he just kept right on doing it. Just kept right on doing it. Kept right on doing it. Wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. Oh, the mercy of God. And it came to pass, this guy revived and just sat up after a long period of time. That's not the, the, the issue, though. The idea is this. The fellow said, I was dead. Told all the people around him, I was dead. He says, and I was in hell. Oh, he said, I was in hell. He said, but all of a sudden, Jesus came in. Jesus came in where I was in hell. And Jesus said, Brother so-and-so's praying won't let you go. Brother so-and-so's praying won't let you go to hell. The guy's just praying in other tongues. Didn't know why, what, where, when, or how. Just praying in other tongues. But he wouldn't let loose of that burden of prayer. Intercession for somebody whose feet were already in the damned. And Jesus took him by the arm and said, Come on, let's go back out of here. Brought him back to his body. He woke up and got gloriously saved. There was revival in that town like you never saw. Glory be to God. Because somebody prayed. See? Special manifestations of the Spirit of God. They can hear the Word of God, but they'll never respond. Why? Because they're so blinded by darkness. Oh, would to God you could remember when you was in darkness and didn't think about God. Would to God you could remember the times you used His name in vain and didn't think two cents about it. But once you got saved, you said, Oh, glory be to God. I've been brought out of that darkness into this glorious light. Well, beloved... There are others that are in that darkness. There are others that are on their way to hell. And would to God there'd be somebody that would yield themselves unto the great spirit of our God so that he can manifest himself in special manifestations to get these people saved. And thirdly, number three, special manifestations. Number three, there are those that will never ever be saved. A percentage, a percentage. See, there's a percentage. There's a percentage that'll be saved by hearing the word. There's a percentage that will be saved by special manifestations. And there is a percentage that will never, 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 never see the gates of glory unless somebody intercedes. Unless somebody intercedes. Oh, and those that have heeded the call to intercession, beloved, will be kept very busy. Because there are those that are dying and lost and going to hell. Unless somebody intercedes. Well, I want to say something here that I think you need to know. I want to be very specific in this teaching. The prayer of intercession is not the prayer of supplication and petition. 
It's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of intercession is not the prayer of binding and loosing, although the prayer of binding and loosing can be used to enter into intercession. And the prayer of intercession is not the prayer of agreement, although the prayer of agreement can be used before intercession. But the prayer of intercession is when one person takes the place of another person who is not in cooperation with the way and the will of God to stand the gap between him and God and fill that gap so that God, through the other individual, can meet that man in a powerful way to deliver him and to save him from destruction. If you will please open to Isaiah 59 chapter, you will see some more thoughts about intercession. And as I said, I'm only introducing the subject to you today. I'm only introducing it this morning. We will, this evening, I believe, get further into it. I will be repeating a lot of things, but that's okay. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. Amen? Amen. In the 16th verse of the 59th chapter of the book of Isaiah... Well, let's, let's back up to verse 14. You could really go back and read more, but let's, let's look. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment, and he saw and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. He wondered that there was no intercessor. He wondered that there was no intercessor. Look at Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter and verse 30. And verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge or stand in the gap. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed under their heads, saith the Lord God. I want you to know that God is a God of judgment. And the only thing that could stand between that judgment and deliverance is a man that will stand the gap. Is a man that will fill up that gap and stand in the hedge, so to speak. Between God and between man so as to allow God to have mercy instead of judgment upon them. God is righteous. And when man walks in the air of his way, it produces death. But God doesn't even want that. Your Heavenly Father doesn't even want people that are the worst sinners 
so-called in this world to die and go to hell. Did you know that? I don't care if he's the ugliest, ungodliest, worst criminal, degenerate that you could even think, or the lowest name you could think of calling that person. I want you to know Jesus died for him. Jesus shed his blood for him. And Jesus wants him to have eternal life. And when everybody else gives up, I want you to know that Jesus is at the right hand of the majesty on high and ever living to make intercession that all would be saved. That all would be saved. Would to God there be an intercessor to stand the, the gap. Well, let's look at one more scripture. Job chapter 9 verse 33. You will recall Job's condition. You will recall from the earnest of his heart how he wanted to serve God but had no revelation of God. Thought that the evil that came upon him came from God just like most people do today. He saw his need. He understood his need. He cried out in verse 33. Look at, well, let's start with verse 32 first. For he is not a man, as I am, that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any days man, or umpire, or intercessor, betwixt us, that might lay his hand upon us both. See, a days man, an intercessor, is one that can... Stand the gap, have one hand on God, one hand on the individual that's in trouble, bridge the gap between the two, and bring the two into agreement, harmony. And without that person bridging the gap, it's like you're standing, you know, at the shore of a river, by the bank, by the side, and there's a your loved one on the other side of the river and there's no place to cross. There's no way to get across and it's too far to swim. But praise God, somebody builds, builds a bridge. Somebody builds a bridge and how indebted we are to that individual that bridged the gap. Oh, beloved, Jesus is our intercessor. He ever liveth to stand in the gap between God and man to bring them to a place of union, agreement, and harmony. And he does not give up. He never will give up. Now I want you to notice. This is a statement that, as I was meditating, that rose up from within my spirit. It's an awesome statement. It's almost, in some sense, of the imagination, hard to give up. Because you don't know how some people will take it. Some people will take it wrong. Some people will understand what you're talking about. But when you start talking about the depths of spiritual things, some people just don't understand it. Now listen to this is the statement. The very fact that we've been called to intercession is proof, proof of our absolute identification with God. It's proof of our absolute identification with God and our ability to to stand in His presence 
sinless, flawless, faultless, just as the Lord Jesus Christ did in the earth. Now, you know what that's saying. Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. The reason why he could be an intercessor is because he had one hand on God and he had one hand on man. He was a man, he was God. He was equal with God. The Bible says he thought of himself not robbing, he called himself equal with God. And because he had deity and because he had humanity, he could stand and bridge the gap between sinful man and sinless God. Now let me say that statement again. The very fact That we have been called to the ministry of intercession. Tells you and me that we have an absolute identification with deity. We are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Jesus. We are partakers of the divine nature, meaning we have within us God's life like Jesus did, and we are human, we have humanity. We have the God life, we have the human life. We are capable to stand the gap and bridge the gap between any individual and God, just as Jesus is doing at the right hand of the Father. The person that enters into the ministry of intercession is entering into the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, you think about the magnitude of that statement. Absolute identification with God, just as Jesus absolutely identified with the Father in the earth, to stand the gap between sinless God and sinful man. Let's look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Oh, would to God that our eyes would begin to open. That we can begin to see what He has done in us and for us in redemption. And what the Spirit of God has made us in the new birth and the recreation of our human spirits. To call us to the ministry of intercession. In this fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews... I want you to notice in the ministry of Jesus Christ as the Lord High Priest, I want you to notice an attribute of his divine life. In chapter chapter 4, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? See, those that are ignorant of God's way and those that are out of the way of God's plan 
are not to be looked down upon, but we are to have compassion on them that are out of God's way and out of God's plan. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Now, the, uh, the intercessor not only identifies with God, but the true intercessor identifies with the man for whom he's interceding. If it's a lost person, the true intercessor will take upon himself the same feeling of that infirmity. See, compassion is a divine attribute of intercession and of successful intercession. It is an ingredient to be successful in intercession. First, we must partake and identify with the nature of God. And then we must identify and partake of the infirmity of the human. And when we are touched with the feeling of their infirmities, sympathy is not an ingredient of intercession. Compassion is. Sympathy merely states, I know how you feel and I'm sorry. I know how you feel and I'm sorry. But compassion says, I feel how you feel and there's deliverance. And there's deliverance. It is taking upon yourself the feeling of that infirmity in the spirit. And with your identification with God, calling and entreating the power of God to deliver that individual from their distress. There have been times when intercessors bewailed and moaned and began to travail and cried out, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. Oh, I'm lost, I'm lost. Deep from within their innermost being, I'm lost. But they was as much saved as anybody else. But they took upon themselves the burden. They took upon themselves the infirmity and the feeling of that individual who was without hope and without God in the world and lost. And when they did, they brought deliverance. They brought deliverance. Through their intercession. Thank you dear Father God. For those that will intercede. Thank you for those dear Father God. That will understand the magnitude of this ministry. Now I saved it for this last. Concerning prayer that changes things. For the very purpose of spending as much time as we possibly can. So that we can teach it by precept and example. Not only just talk about it, but actually begin to do it in our services. I want you to know, my friends, that there are people that are lost and dying. And I want you to know that Jesus is in a soul winning business. I want you to know that his blood will not be spoiled. And I pray it is my desire that not one that walks through these doors, the back of this church walks through these doors, lose their salvation and end up in eternal damnation. How about you? Is that the desire of your heart? You see, when you get things in proper perspective, you're going to see the move of God. People want to just see the manifestations, but they don't want to see the travail and the intercession. Bewailing God on the behalf of the other people. The work involved in getting people delivered. 
See, there's a percentage of people, my friends, that will never, 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 never go to heaven. I'm not talking about going to a show. I'm not talking about going to a football game. I'm not talking about going to the fair. There are people that will never enter the pearly gates of heaven. Lest you and I intercede. There are people that will never have harmonious marriage. Unless you and I intercede. There are people that will never get delivered from sickness and disease. Lest you and I intercede. He that is strongest to bear the burdens of the weak. What a call to the ministry of intercession. I want you to turn with me to another scripture. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. First Corinthians, the 14th chapter. I want to introduce to you these two scriptures. Because we'll be using them when we begin to teach. In depth on the ministry of intercession by precept and example. In the 14th verse of the 14th chapter, I want you to note, Paul said, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. I want you to see the separation between his spirit and his understanding. And then the next verse, What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and with... And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I want you to note the difference between his, his praying in the Spirit and his praying with his understanding. Clearly, they are different. Now, you recall a good speed translation of Ephesians 6.18 that said, when we quoted it, praying with every kind of prayer and entreaty, and at every opportunity, pray in the Holy Ghost or pray in the Spirit. Now, notice here that Paul said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, what's, what prays? My Spirit prays. So praying in the Spirit is praying in other tongues. Notice the second verse of the same chapter, and it's a little bit more clear. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how be it in the Spirit. Where? Say it with me. When I pray in the Spirit, my Spirit prayeth. When I pray in other tongues, I pray by my Spirit. When I pray in the English language, I pray by my understanding. I, as a saint, am to pray with my spirit and with my understanding. See? There are those that will never be saved unless you learn how to pray in intercession with your understanding for them and then... Call upon the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, let's look at Romans 8.26. I'm not going to give you a whole lot today, this morning because I, don't, I want to get into it tonight. I want to introduce it to you. And I'm led to go another way. So let's look at this scripture and then we're going to close here in a minute. Romans Likewise, likewise, in other words, in like manner, in like manner to what? Well, in like manner to the verse, verse 22, right on through. 
But let's read verse 26. Likewise, or in the same manner, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, I want you to note the word infirmities. Jesus said he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And the Bible says that Jesus himself took our infirmities. Isn't that right? But here it says that the Spirit of God, likewise, in the same manner, helpeth our infirmities. Now, the word helpeth, literal translation from the Greek, means to take hold together with against. To take hold together with against. To take hold together with against. Help it. To take hold together with against. Now, let's read it like that. Likewise, in the same manner, in other words, the Spirit also takes hold together with us against our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in your own language, in articulate speech. A more literal translation would be in articulate speech. The Spirit of God will take hold together with us against our infirmities. And when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, He will make intercession for us with groanings out of our spirit that cannot be spoken out in the English language, I think is the best way for, I, for me to say it here. He will take hold together with our spirit so that in the spirit, by our spirit, we can pray the perfect, look at the next verse, will of God. He that searcheth the hearts, note what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We're going to talk about some of these infirmities tonight. But I want you to note the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit in prayer and intercession is a specific ministry. It works a specific way, a certain way. He takes hold together with us against our infirmities. He presents the need of the Father in an accurate way. And in the Spirit, groanings of travail shall come out of our innermost being to produce and give forth birth. When Zion hath travailed, she brought forth her children. That's what he's saying here. But I want you to notice verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now notice verse 26. Likewise, in the same manner as we from within groan and travail. Oh, do you know, beloved that the rebirth of the human spirit having the life of the nature of God can be made manifest in your mortal flesh by groaning and travailing until God by his spirit transforms you transfigures you changes you metamorphosizes you into the very image and likeness of God himself look at likewise the spirit in the same manner the spirit of God will help our infirmities our weaknesses our feebleness of mind body sicknesses diseases whatever come against you the spirit of God will do that in intercession and travail and groanings. See, this is the job of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to make a statement. I made it previously. I made it before. I made it many times. I want you to repeat it with me. With my body, I contact the physical world. With my soul, 
I contact the mental and intellectual world. With my spirit, I contact the spirit world. And when I pray in tongues, my spirit prayeth. In other words, when you're praying in tongues, your spirit is actually contacting the spirit world. Now I'm going to say something here that I think you need to know right now. We've been given a weapon of our warfare that's dynamic, powerful, explosive. To cause the new creation to walk in the fullness of the life of God. To cause cloven tongues like as a fire to shoot out of our, from our innermost being. To envelop us and burn out the impurities of our soul and bodies. And when you pray with other tongues, you bring forth the life of God from within you to the outside, to the outer man. It'll begin to just radiate from you until you become an irresistible force in the earth for God. It'll cause your life to be a continual pageant of triumph, diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ by you. And when you walk into the presence of the unsaved, it shall be unto them like the doom of death, the fragrance of the doom of death. But when you walk into the presence of those that are saved, it'll be the perfume of the knowledge of Christ himself. All this is done in the Spirit. All this is done in other tongues. When I pray in other tongues, my spirit prayeth and contacts the spirit world. And the more I'm in other tongues, the more I'm in contact with the spirit world in an active way. In an active way. In an active way. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.